Hello and welcome to the last episode of the year for 2021 of K-Botak. This is the short podcast about Korean cinema and K-dramas uh, with me, John, that I started earlier this year to enthuse about some of the amazing uh, entertainment that comes uh, out of South Korea, uh, both in film and serialized form. Uh, firstly, to anyone who's listened, chatted on Twitter, uh, shared, liked, subscribed, anything, uh, even if this is the first time you're listening, welcome. Uh, thank you all so much. Uh, it has been really gratifying and really enjoyable. I, I very much uh, enjoy making these podcasts. Um, and uh, the fact that people actually want to listen uh, is uh, really thrilling. So, um, thank you and I hope that you'll still be listening in 2022 uh, so for this episode last episode of the year we're going to be talking uh, about what I think is a very special TV series Move to Heaven I actually did a poll on Twitter uh, asking people if I should do Move to Heaven or Mr Sunshine for the last episode of the year and Move to Heaven came out on top I'm really glad it did because what a perfect way to end the year. We're going to be talking about some heavy topics, as I'm sure you'll expect if you have taken a look at what this show is about, or if you've seen it. Um, won't be spoiling too much. I'd really love you to enjoy this and, and see it for yourself. Um, but I think that th this has really rocketed to one of my favourite things I've, I've seen this year. Uh, so thank you to everyone who voted in that poll and told me what to do. Uh, you uh, certainly made the right decision there. Although Mr. Sunshine, fabulous as well, and uh, we'll be returning to that in 2022. So, Move to Heaven is a 10-part Netflix series directed by Kim Sung-ho. Uh, it features Lee Jae-hoon as Cho Sang-gu, uh, who is the uncle of Hang Guru, who is played by Tang Jun-sang. Uh, it also has Ji Jin-hee as Han Jong-woo, and Hong Seung-hee as Yunnamu, uh, as well as Che Soo-young as a social worker called Son Woo-rim. Uh, the only one of these cast members that I have seen before is, of course, the fantastic Lee Jae-hoon. Uh, he was the star of Taxi Driver earlier this year. Um, he was in uh, the movie Time to Hunt. He's been in various other stuff. Taxi Driver's getting another season. Um, just a really fantastic actor. Um, and he is joined by what I think is a very good ensemble here uh, for this series. Everybody is really good in this. Uh, so what is it about? Guru and his father Chungwoo are trauma cleaners, which means that they clean up the abodes of the deceased, sometimes a long time after their death and they convey their most precious belongings and sometimes messages either that they find or divine from the items that they've discovered to their surviving relatives or otherwise the most important people in their lives. The structure of the show uh, is for the most part that every episode you get a different like short story um, about a person who has passed away uh, there's various circumstances, there are varying ages, social status, uh, family status, and uh, the kind of 
mini story, mini arc of the episode will be about uh, the characters learning more about who they were um, and what unfinished business they had in the world. In the very first episode, we see that Chung Wu has a very respectful approach to the work, which he's instilled in his son Guru. They address the spirit of the deceased, they tell them uh, who they are, why they're there, and say that they are assisting them in their final move, move to heaven. Um, sometimes they're cleaning tiny flats, sometimes sprawling messy old houses, uh, in this case owned by uh, much, uh, much older people. Um, sometimes it's a room in a bigger house, sometimes it's uh, just clutter, and other times there may actually be decomposing biological material on the scene, especially in cases when it has taken a long time for the deceased um, to, uh, to be discovered. Um, and to be found. As the series goes on, uh, Guru is quickly joined by his uncle Sangu, uh, played by E.J. Hoon. Um, so he's yeah, had two amazing lead roles in dramas uh, th this year, and uh, he's very different in this. He is uh, much grumpier, um, he's kind of uh, a bit of a bad egg, he wears uh, rock and roll t-shirts, uh, Metallica and stuff like that. What I thought were punk t-shirts, although uh, I looked them up and uh, apparently it's one of the most expensive brands in the world that he's got on, but uh, he gives a, you know, a pretty sort of um, punk rock um, vibe. He's also just got out of prison. Um, he seems to have no love really um, for Chungwu. Um, and uh, he causes a massive disruption in Guru's life because he's so messy, whereas Guru is, is very neat and uh, very particular uh, about uh, how his day goes and, and how things are um, around the house, and uh, we'll come back to that. Um, but basically the characters sift through, uh, they find precious items, clues about who the person was, and they try to deduce uh, unfinished business that they had in this life before talking to their friends or family to try and bring them closure. Um, while they bag up a lot of stuff and they throw it away, um, they will always have a very special yellow box that if you've seen the marketing for this show you may well have seen um, that uh, has their name on it and uh, Move to Heaven, uh, the name of the company, the drama cleaning company, and this contains what the uh, what Guru and Chungwu believe to be the most important items, the things that the family should keep. Often the family wants these and, and is happy to receive them. Sometimes they're not even interested and they don't want them. And quite a lot of the drama and tension comes from uh, how the families, or at least the significant persons that, that survive the deceased, react uh, to the news, to receiving the items, to the messages that the trauma cleaners think that uh, they, they should have. Um, it's clear that Chung Wu feels uh, a, a moral Im imperative uh, in this work and how he deals with it. So uh, the first episode shows you uh, a young factory worker. Um, he managed to get a job in, in this factory. It, it's uh, pretty tough times economically um, and he wanted to save up to go to university. He had uh, an accident because he was made to go into work um, and uh, he was pressured into not going to the doctor by the company because they felt that it would look like um, a workplace accident and so then they'd end up with um, you know, government or tribunals coming down on them. So they discourage him from going to the doctor. And this poor kid dies in his room uh, a couple of days after 
sustaining this industry. Industry, injury. Um, after they've tidied up this small flat, they attend the funeral and they see the company basically being shit to the parents about what has happened, saying that it wasn't their fault at all and um, here is a bit of money and basically get on with it. Um, the parents are deaf and mute um, and at first they kind of put up with it, but Chungwu uh, ends up sort of hearing uh, what the uh, what the company representatives are saying to each other um, afterwards. Uh, they're being fairly disrespectful. Um, they're sat there, they're eating the food at the funeral. Um, and he can hand sign. So he signs to the parents, he tells them what's going on. He doesn't just do his job, but he puts things right before he leaves. And I'm talking a lot about Chungwu because uh, this is very important for how um, Guru, uh, his kid, uh, approaches his work. And we're going to return to that in a second. The show is based on an essay book called Things Left Behind by Kim Sepiu, who was a real-life trauma cleaner. Uh, and in a piecemeal interview I found from him, uh, he made the comment that when suffering from unfulfilling relationships with close friends and family, some people start to form relationships with objects and animals. You give meaning to them, and every single object becomes simply unreplaceable. There's a lot in this show uh, about ordinary, everyday objects, things that most people would not uh, place value in unless it was sentimental. But when they come across these, uh, Guru and the other uh, trauma cleaners will kind of... Um, try to understand what it meant to that person and why it was important to them because this helps them know what to hand on to the family or the friends, the, the survivors uh, to understand what this person wanted. It's all part of uh, respect for the deceased to try and understand uh, how they can help them wrap up, help them not have unfinished business on earth um, and the key is in the objects and, and the things that they've left around Guru especially is almost like a detective, the way he sifts through people's things and, and deduces things from them. Uh, there's stories in the objects and where they are and how they're arranged and how old they are and what's happened to them. And he puts them together like a puzzle. It's very satisfying watching it if you like detective stories. Uh, you almost get like a mini, uh, a mini kind of domestic detective uh, puzzle every episode. He's often way ahead of Namu and Sangu with his conclusions, and he even impresses actual police detectives that he encounters in the course of his work. Um, and it's just really interesting and intriguing and, and also very sad to see what people have left behind and how the trauma cleaners tidy it all up. Um, in his book, Kim Se-byul talked about uh, a guy who had hidden from his estranged wife and um, also his kids, the fact that he had cancer um, but when, and he died alone in his home um, and when Kim Sebyul, this, this real life trauma cleaner, went to his home he found that it was full of different herbs that the guy had read um, might be helpful um, to, uh, to fight cancer and that he had, it seemed that he'd been going to mountainous areas and, and looking for these things on the weekend and he had kept this from his family completely. He'd kept from them the fact that he was even ill, but his house was full of all these herbs. Um, so these tiny, tragic short stories are the kind of things that the characters in this show 
um, stumble across as well. It's a show obviously about grief and about processing grief, both episode by episode as they deal with each case. And in the case of the show's arc, and a little spoiler warning here, I think I've kept fairly clear of major spoilers so far, but I'm going to spoil the events of the first episode now, so if uh, you want to go in completely fresh, um, turn off. But in the first episode, uh, suddenly, really unexpectedly, Chungwu dies, uh, and Guru has to deal with this as the series unfolds. He loses his dad. He, he's already he's uh, just got his dad in the world. His mum uh, died when he was very little, um, and in in the first episode of this, he loses his dad as well. He's all on his own. He's got Namu, which is obviously his best buddy. Uh, Sangu turns up and is uh, uh, appointed a, a provisional guardianship for Guru. Um, but he is dealing, as the episode wears on, with the fact that he no longer has this, uh, frankly, extremely doting father who cooks his egg exactly the way he likes it, and uh, if the yolk runs, uh, swaps it round with him, and and basically treats him like, uh, you know, like like absolute king of the world, you know, uh, absolute prince, which you know, uh, many parents might uh, might identify with. Uh, watching this show and it's to the the credit of the acting performances and the writing that when Chungwu dies it's it's really sad he's just a sort of unmitigatedly good dude he's incredibly likable he's he's played by this uh this really uh this really good actor um and uh yeah this this sets up the show um I thought it, I hadn't read much around uh, about it I thought it was going to be about uh, this this father son team but um no, not at all. So, this is absolutely a weepy, um, but it is never exploity. Um, it isn't sort of lowest common denominator. It isn't here to manipulate your feelings. It actually has a message. Um, this is a show that tells you it is about death, but then weaves a tapestry of life and happiness, kindness, neatness, uh, charity, generosity of spirit and love and the sudden ends and unfinished business and the tragedies that interrupt those things is where the emotional power of the show is um, and I guarantee that one of these episodes will get you unless you're absolutely stone cold or uh, completely unmoved um, by things that you see, hear, read uh, I'm sure this show will find your weakness and have you in tears um, whatever it is that, that is your, your weak spot um, there's a lot of different topics it covers kinds of relationships um, kinds of you know stages of life problems that people have there's something here that you'll relate to or that you will just feel very sorry for the character um, it had me in tears multiple times and I don't think I've ever watched something where I've just been watching it with just one tear after another streaming in rivulets down my face like just looking at the screen um, and uh, tear after tear coming out um, and I, I do quite quite easily I cry quite easily with with movies and TV uh, and stuff like that but um, this was on a, on another level um, but it's it's handled really well the message it has is about the preciousness of every life and of the time we spend with our loved ones um, and that is a really uh, incredibly valuable uh, message um, to me 
so the tone of it I think is just right um, it's it's really really well done another valuable thing about this show this has probably the most sympathetic portrayal and most empathetic portrayal of autism I've ever seen on screen now as a disclaimer I have never been diagnosed as having an autistic spectrum condition but people close to me have and it has made me more aware of how poorly this issue is usually treated in media and in just general conversation lots of stereotypes harmful stereotypes um, and in the case of media seemingly little input if any from people with lived experience now I looked around a bit and I couldn't uh, tell whether or not this was made with the input of, of anyone who uh, is on the spectrum um, what I did see was that on the r slash autism reddit a, a lot of people who are autistic enjoyed this they said that there were tropey elements um, to uh, some of the representation here um, but that it was enjoyable it was it was better than most um, so I took that as a good sign um, so why am I talking about this well Guru in this show is autistic um, and I thought this was handled well as much as I can comment like I said with my limited knowledge um, for the following reasons so Kuru is shown as being particular he loves routine and neatness he is prone to fixation so he loves uh, fish and uh, especially rays he, he can reel off uh, the characteristics um, and behaviours and physiology of any kind of sea creature because he's been buried in this books uh, since he's been very little but he's not shown being bullied for his autism outside of some ignorant comments by his uncle which Namu quickly and furiously corrects and shuts down Namu and his father don't label uh, Guru or talk about him being different they just talk about what sort of person he is he doesn't like things to change suddenly if he starts something he wants to finish it in short, they talk about him like a human being instead of a textbook example like a lot of media does with people who are autistic or have Asperger's. And the show puts you in Kuru's world to show that you that actually how he sees the world as ordered and neat um, and that it requires interacting with in a structured, detailed fashion, not because of some quirk of his, um, but because that's his world and it's valid. Brilliantly, this is done... Uh, in large part through the visual design of the show. So the visuals firstly have their own routine. Um, every episode starts with scenes of them driving through the city with aerial shots. Um, this is because Guru imagines the city around him from the top down view like a map on a phone and you see a more explicitly map style presentation of the world a couple of times. The show also has scenes with a lot of symmetry and neatness, um, often top-down when Kuru is doing the trauma cleaning, it shows how he tidies everything up. It's really satisfying to watch, um, again the show is basically demonstrating to you that his approach is really good, it makes a lot of sense for this work, you see how he works around the room and uh, tidies things away and examines everything as he does from this top-down view. Um, it shows how this is basically a better approach than the more messy Sangu who is usually shown with these more ordinary camera angles he's scraping about with a bin bag um, he doesn't get a, as much done in the time um, when Chungwu at the beginning makes meals for Kuru it is shown as top down again um, but when Kuru finally gets used to the idea of making breakfast himself now that his dad is gone um, 
this perspective on the dinner table returns several episodes in to show that things are back as they were after a fashion even if someone very very important is gone so almost just with those camera angles it shows how guru is kind of he he's getting back on track he's he's getting along he's processing um his grief over over his father's passing um and there's sparing use of some visual effects like books or pages that Kuru remembers are displayed in rows above him as he solves some of the complex questions that they might have about the deceased and you see them all leafing around uh, shown above his head which is basically again to show you how he is uh, breaking down the information he's got to use some visual storytelling like that to validate the worldview of a person who uh, has autism um, is very clever and I think a good way to empathetically show how an autistic person is uh, viewing the world, their work, the people around them without having to resort to cruel comments. Um, it doesn't set up uh, how Guru perceives things that happen around him um, with bullying or uh, any kind of emotional violence or trauma on his part it does it uh, I think in a, in a very positive way like I say I've, I can you know only comment so far um, but some of the things I noticed there I thought were just uh, worth picking out because it's a, it's a very sympathetic really nice uh, approach uh, and at least attempt I think so there's so much to recommend about this. This show does a huge amount with its themes, with its visuals. Um, it is completely gorgeous uh, to uh, to look at, from the the neatness and symmetry of a lot of the visuals to some of the kind of um, the shots that you see. Uh, there's one in I'm not going to spoil anything, but there is one in a garden, and you'll know when you see it what I'm referring to. Um, it's absolutely splendid. Also, really heartbreaking, really bittersweet and sad um, because of the context. Um, so, yeah, just the the combination of the visual splendor and and what they're doing with the theming here, I think it's a must-watch. After Hellbound, it's the best thing I've seen this year. Not just TV, but you know, out of movies, anything that I've watched, um, I would recommend this to anyone. Even if, like me, they normally watch action and sci-fi and horror, etc. Um, this. Uh, is a life-affirming hug in TV form. Move to Heaven, a uh, massive, massive recommendation. Just uh, 10 out of 10. So that's it for the last episode of the year. Um, thank you so much for listening and uh, look forward to chatting to you further in uh, 2022. You can follow the show on at kbotakpod, K-B-O-T-A-K-P-O-D on Twitter and Instagram. See you soon. Thanks for listening. Cheers.